So I hear Alex doesn't know his own strength, Jeff. I wasn't at the game, but my daughter was. And from what I understand, he uh, went Hulk on a flagpole at the stadium. If you you hear anything about that? I heard something about it. Of course, first of all, we have our own Hulk. We don't need an extra Hulk. Uh, so I'm kind of wondering if he was a wannabe Hulk. Uh, either that or he's a major Jamie Vardy fan because it has to do with, you know, how Jamie Vardy, after he – he gets a goal. He loves to slide into that and just break those uh, uh, flags out through there. And of course, now there are no Americans on uh, Jamie Vardy's team, so Alex would not be a fan of Jamie Vardy. <laughs> well, I All only right. know it so, because I'm a Euro snob. So, in my defense, uh, it was all scientific. I was merely yes. testing the tensile strength of the mm. new PVC flagpoles that we had bought. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we found out the answer as to how much force can be brought on them. And did you see the goal by DJ Benton? I mean, that was freaking amazing. Soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. Welcome to Soccer Chat, episode whatever it is. 37,000. In season four. I, don't, I mean, we've got to be up to some kind of milestone, like 250 or something since Who we knows? started four years More ago. Than 20, more than 20. And, we were and as you may have figured out already, if you're listening to this, there was no live broadcast because we've gone back to our old traditional podcasting ways because of feedback from our fans. So thank you for letting us know that you missed hearing us on your uh, radio as opposed to having to look at our lovely faces. Yeah, I think it's a request to not see us. And there's one of us, I won't say who, but the, it's been commented that his face is not right. And that could be a part. Also, I want to comment that this should air on Friday the 13th. So it is very apropos that it's our first unlive uh, podcasting quite a while. Uh, as Adam said, thanks to both of you for chiming in and uh, letting us know <laughs> what <laughs> what you want. Um, I seeing as we're recording this, I went ahead and I brought my Chick Fil A sandwich up with me. So when you guys go on your hour long diatribes, uh, I'll just be over here munching on my dinner. There you go. So the beauty is that we are still recording this with video. So I'll be able to go back and take screenshots of Alex and make that the actual. Uh, there you go. There you go. Right there. That's, That's gold it. right you. there. It's gold. Yeah. And so for those of you that didn't get to see, just go take a look at the picture that, that is the, the, the placeholder for this episode. And you'll get to see Alex enjoying his Chick-fil-A. So, um, all right. So I, let's jump right in. Put this on YouTube. Yeah. So people yeah. know. We'll okay. still have video on YouTube if oh, you want to watch it there, so, or you can it just won't be live. Listen on your favorite. So we have to wear platform. pants. So we still have to wear pants. Okay. All right. Yes, now. for our sake, because we can see you, Jeff. Yes. Yes. Can see you. All right. So let's jump right in. Um, I was not actually at the stadium. My son had a academy tournament in Nashville, and congrats to go? them on. Well, they finished second. They went uh, seven. They won seven zero in their first game, nine zero in their second game. They lost um, 
3-2 in their final game on a goal scored with 15 seconds left that would have gone to PKs if that goal didn't get scored. So, yeah, and, you know, it's one of those heartbreakers as a, as a dad because you don't – you run, you feel really bad for the kid because the ball went through the, the kid's legs. And he – you know, he's in, he's a young kid in goal, and that just hurts. And you can see him being choked up. So you're doing everything you can to be like, no, you're, you're good. You know, great game. But – at the same time, you're like, man, I would have loved to watch PKs because that's just fun. Um, but no, the kids had a great time and uh, played well. And so, yeah, that was fun. But at the same time, we rushed back from there. That game was late and we rushed back to uh, to watch the to watch the match uh, on our um, that second game on Saturday to watch it on the hotel. And it's just not the same. Like, like you get to see the crowd, but you don't really get to hear it as much because League One likes to put the uh, microphones facing away from the fans um, when doing Red Wolves games. So tell me a little bit about what it was like at the stadium. Um, it was a slow start to the game and conceding the goal in the first uh, 15 minutes mm. kind of had everyone a little tense. Yeah. And a little uh, anxious, I would say, kind of quietly anxious, looking for what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> and then when uh, when we scored the first goal, a fantastic team goal, it really lit the fire. Uh, you saw the team react as well uh, with a lot of emotion. And so the whole stadium got rocking. And so I know it was a colder than usual evening. And so I think and there was it was cloudy the whole day. And so I think maybe the threat of rain might've scared a few people away. It was not as huge a crowd as we have seen so far this season. Um, but once things got rolling uh, and we tied our, our, you know, our, our club record for goals in a game uh, with the four goals, uh, it, it was just as loud and just as exciting and, and just as rocking as it ever was. I do want to comment on that first goal by um, it was uh, Stefan Lukic and um he, uh, I, we, I joked about Jamie Vardy earlier, but he pulled a Jamie Vardy as far as uh, just kind of howling at the crowd and trying to uh, trying to get us going. But he poked the bear or he poked the wolf, and so he was trying to shut us up. And actually, what he did is he got us. I think there are there are some people who got into it vocally earlier than they would have. And so we wanted to pay that back. And I think there's fans that remembered him and his behavior for the rest of the game. And every time they had a, they had a mess up, they let him know. And it was, uh, it was quite loud. May or may not have been a guy matching my description, screaming scoreboard at him all the way off the field. I would like to note, by the way, he did not bother to shake any Red Wolves players hand. As soon as that game was done, he made a beeline for the locker room instead of standing up like a man and taking his beating after taunting the Red Wolves bench for his goal. Yeah. yeah. So did anyone else find that odd? Like, I know that there's a history with, you know, Eamon Zide and Kevin Solchek, um, but it's not like Marky ended on bad terms. It, it's, it's not like, I don't really understand why their players seem to come in with a chip on their shoulder. Like you guys have literally, never existed before this year you've accomplished nothing so far this year so what the hell was that like I, I i didn't understand like did did the coach just like convince them that that the red bulls are evil and you have to be a jackass to them like i didn't understand their attitude at all yeah it was it i don't know if if it really conveyed properly 
just how much of jackassery there was uh, on the pitch on the TV because I don't they didn't cover everything, but it was uh, it was it was you know yes celebrate, but it was trying to get into our player our bench players and our fans faces, and uh, and that my, our section got as loud as they ever have. And, and especially when uh, Stefan was making a mistake, they really dug into him as much as they could. Yeah, I don't know. It was just it was odd from a from this perspective. The other thing that was that was interesting or disappointing is that goal, the first goal um, that you referred to as the team goal. Man, I wish that League One would have had that replay of that was taken by the Red Wolves to show how amazing the assist from Aaron Lombardi was on that goal. Oh yeah. Yeah, like if they're League One does goal of the week, and I know it's usually related to the goal scorer. The fact that that wasn't given as a goal of the week strictly for the quality of the assist <laughs> was a little disappointing because he comes out of nowhere, perfectly places it at the feet, and just it's just a tap in. But if it's not for him, that tap in doesn't exist. Like that is a goal of the week nominee in my opinion because of the assist, not because of the finish. I yeah, think our, you go all the way to the buildup where Carrera Garcia plays the ball to Aaron Hernandez on the wing and he sends that cross. And yes, huge kudos to Aaron Lombardi. And, you know, how many times have we seen no one be in the six or no one, um, you know, in the box at all for that ball to go scooting just across and be safely herded away by our, you know, opposing defense? But Teixeira was there and he poked that thing in. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it was a great feeling for him to finally get his first Red Wolves goal there. Uh, you're talking about goal of the week. I feel like all four could have been nominated. Uh, you know, his his second goal where he's kind of leaning backwards and puts that ball right under the crossbar off of the off of the corner uh, headed by Lukic. Ah, take that. There you go. Um, and even <laughs> DJ Benton running free and heading the ball uh, in the oh. goal in, yeah. the, in the first half. That second goal was pretty good, too. And then, of course, Carreras that got nominated is, uh, I think, worthy. Well, our creativity this year has really amped up. Uh, I think we had moments of creativity last year, and then at the tail end, it started to dry up. Uh, wasn't quite hitting everything when we first started, but uh, I think this past match, uh, I was it was interesting to see how Coach responded um, rather than um, – play a Burnley and just try to slow the game down and try to do non-football and grind out another goal. Uh, he just pushed harder and we pressed harder. And instead of throwing everyone in the back and it was very exciting to watch, but it was also the fact that we on a game like this last Saturday, I wish it was like this every game, but a game like this last Saturday, we can come at you from any part of the pitch. Yeah. So you know, once again, I watched this this broadcast. Um, I watched. You know, I didn't get to be at the stadium, and I know we complain about the broadcasting, but just want one game. Whether you got to pit, like, let us be the home team just once, broadcasters. Is that all? All of we? All I ask, like, either, either when we're the away team, let the treat us like the home team, or when the home team treat us like the home team, because I feel like every game they're trying to complain that our guys are faking things. He actually started to go back and watch it. He actually starts assuming that Mo is faking his injury. Mm-hmm. Like that's his assumption when he starts it, uh, and then realizes, oh, this is an off the ball. You can see him pop up 
and hurt himself. Like he realizes on the replay, oh, my assumption that they're full of crap is is inaccurate. I I don't know. I just th- this so was one of those. This is, game- this is yeah. a really fun double because the referee called a foul. Mo was not trying to fake that he got clipped. He really right. rolled his ankle and. I, you know, I hope there was no okay. contact. Yeah, uh, it, it was no. Contact. There was no. There was absolutely no contact. But of course, League One referee calls yeah. the foul. Yeah. Against the Red Wolves, and so it's not because Mo's faking it. It's because the referee is maddeningly incompetent, and it just finally worked in our favor. Um, and then the, of course, the broadcaster is is yeah talking about us being fakers, like they tried to accuse Jonathan Ricketts of all people of stomping on a Richmond player last year. Yeah, that was hilarious. Like, yeah, one, one of the nicest guys in the entire league. But yeah, that's what he would do. Well, like, <laughs> I would have to admit, at very first, I was wondering what Mo was doing because there was no contact. And I'm going like, just get up. What are you doing? And then it, then it, then I realized with the way he couldn't get up that he really got injured. So yeah, just, the angle and, we and, were and standing I at, think you it was could tell you he had rolled his see, ankle. Yeah, oh, for, for where we were, we couldn't see the rolling the ankle. We just saw that there was no contact, and he fell over. And it was like, Mo, come on, get up. And then we realized, oh, there's something serious here. So two things that I freaked out about. Number one, anytime I see a player go down like that without contact around him, I think Achilles. So I was really glad it wasn't an Achilles injury. Number two, anytime you see a player writhing in pain and they're holding their face and not the thing that got hit – that's usually a sign that they're truly in pain because your natural reaction is not to lean down to the thing that's hurt, but it's to be like, ah, like in actual pain and go into almost a fetal position, which is what he did, which said to me, he's in real pain. And then when the, when, when the, um, when the, phys- the when the physio comes out and he touches the bottom of the foot and he thrives in pain again, I was like, yeah, that's gotta be an Achilles. So when I found out it was strictly a rolled ankle, I was very thankful because I thought, Mo has really cemented himself as one of our best um, players at getting in quality crosses as seen even from his corner kick that, that DJ took care of, that he would have been a significant loss in my opinion uh, for any long period of time. And I'm, I'm hopeful that this will be a short, short recovery for him. Yeah. He, so he what got I'll say, two assists on this game. One thing, one thing that irked me is he was, uh, he rolled that ankle and he walked off the field getting treatment and they substituted Rafa and brought on Ray Ortiz. I really wish when that had happened, being up 4-1, that they had maybe pulled some kind of change of the cards or whatever. I don't know if that's possible, um, but if they had pulled him out, let let uh, Ray Ortiz come on for him. Because later on, he again went down a second time uh, on that sideline trying to make a move and you could see his his foot just kind of buckle. Um, but good news was after the game, uh, I was down near the locker room, wanted to kind of give high fives and tell folks congrats. My son's always down there anyway, uh, talking to all the players. And I saw Mo walk off under his own power. So okay. that's got to be a good sign that's good. That he's that's walking good off. Sign. Maybe he'll come off the bench in this game, get a little bit of rest, see how things feel and uh, and be good to go. All right, so before we get into the upcoming game that will be um, tomorrow, uh, we did have a chance, or by we, I mean Alex, had a chance to um, uh, sit down and do an an interview with one of our goal scorers. Alex, can you tell us a little bit about what we're about to hear? Uh, So we're going to talk with DJ Benton as uh, talks about kind of 
coming to Chattanooga and the story of how uh, how he got that signing. Uh, talk about what it was like to face the Red Wolves as he was a member of North Texas last year, had to play us five times. Uh, and then talk a little bit about what uh, what they expect to do against Central Valley Fuego. I will say DJ Benton, a fantastic interview, did a wonderful job. And I was doing a horrible job interviewing him the entire time. So thank you, DJ, for putting up with my awkward questions. And and, and on and that note, we're going to go to the video. So here it is without further ado. So Alex here with uh, Red Wolves goal scorer DJ Benton uh, joining us. Thank you so much for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Excited from the uh, SmackDown that we put on Northern Colorado. Uh, you know, you guys had uh, unfortunately lost a couple games coming into that match, coming back home. Um, what was the mood? What were you guys telling each other in the locker room before you headed out to the field for the game? Yeah, I mean, we, we lost two games back to back. And uh, here we we have a statement we live by is uh, if we lose a game, we don't lose two in a row. Unfortunately that happened, but I guess our mindset was just um, at home. We just absolutely cannot afford to lose. We, that's like first and foremost, you know, we try to uh, protect the house as much as we could. And we just knew like, you know, the pressure was on them. Essentially they had just come off of uh, two big performances. So we were like making sure that we just came out and, you know, with a lot of energy and just made sure that we, we got results, especially at home. It helps with the fans. So, yeah. So we saw you, uh, you know, your amazing header, you run through the box and you, and you put it in with power and uh, go to celebrate. You run over to the sideline. Was that your mom in the, in the stands that you were cheering with? Yeah. After your goal? My, my mom, my dad, and my little brother and some of his friends. So that was a fantastic mother's day gift for mom then putting one in yeah. the back of the net. Yeah. It felt pretty good. So, yeah. So I had seen uh, a story that uh, News Channel 12 talked a little bit about the uh, the family connection, your father knowing Jimmy Weekly. Tell us a little bit about um, you know how you found about it, the opportunity for the Red Wolves, and, and what made it attractive for you to come here and, and play with the team. Yeah, so um, I, I found out that my dad and Jimmy had uh, grown up together and played soccer together. Uh, when I came here last year, uh, I played for North Texas last year, and um, we were preparing for the game. It was the day before the game. We were training at the stadium and Jimmy is like in charge of making sure the gates will be open for us and we have access to all the gear and all that stuff. And I, I guess he just recognized me. I was just walking up, getting ready to go to the locker room. And he, he, he just kind of came up to me and was just like, uh, you know, is your dad, uh, William Dishman? I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's a great guy. I grew up with him. And it was, it was a small conversation. Um, but I had no idea. And I, I told my dad, my, my dad, uh, I think he kind of knew that he was in Chattanooga, but he didn't know exactly with who and uh -huh. whatever. But, um, yeah, and then when I found out that I wasn't going to be with North Texas at the end of the year, um, I had a few, you know, options as to, you know, what the next move was. And this was a really an attractive option. They, they really showed interest and, like, you know, really made it seem like, you know, they would love to have me part of the team. And, and Jimmy was a big part of that, too. He kind of helped uh, – kind of influence uh Obleda to you know uh, get me out here so that's kind of like how it all happened so and you've had a chance you've, you've played basically in all the games uh you've played a couple different positions so how have you been adjusting to Obleda ball 
<laughs> I think I've been adjusting all right. Um, it, it's a, it's a different style, but I mean, I like it. And uh, I think uh, for the most part, I, I, uh, I do what he wants, do what he asks, but I, I like it. Uh, I, I started off playing right back this year, whereas last year I played a little bit more center back with my old team. And now, now I, this past game, I played center back uh, due to some changes, but uh, no, I mean, it's, it's been, I think I've adjusted all right. So, yeah. So I'm always interested in the outside perspective. Um, so, you know, kind of put yourself back in your shoes when you were at North Texas, you're looking at the schedule and you see that Chattanooga is coming up. What's everyone in the locker room talking about? How do you guys feel as you get ready to come to Chattanooga? Uh, from my experience last year, it was, it was not a place you wanted to go to. I mean, this was, in our opinion, last year, the best team in the league. I think we can, my, all my teammates would agree with that. Um, and it's just a hostile place to come to. I mean, the, the atmosphere, I don't really know too many other places in the league that, that gets the fans like this, has a setup like this. So yeah, outside, outside looking in, it was, we were like, when we found out that we had, uh, Chattanooga Red Bulls for playoffs, we were just like, ah, oh, like, here we go. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely rough. It was a very respectable team in the league, I'd say. So that's, you know, we played each other, I think, five times in the season, uh, including the playoff game. So as you're preparing for those kind of games, is there a lot of familiarity? You kind of know what each other are going to do. How do you prepare for those type of games where you've seen a team often? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we played five times. Uh, I would just say, like, from a from a tactic standpoint, not too much changes. I think from both sides, coaches try to – throw curveballs at each other and try to, you know, throw each other off. But I think by the time you get to game five, you know, if, if your lineup hasn't changed too much, it just really just comes down to like, you know, who wants it more on the day, who, who's willing to, you know, grind those points out. And every time we played them, it was a battle. I mean, we'd go to overtime or there was, you know, last minute drama where they, you know, Chattanooga would score the, the 91st minute or whatever it was, you know. So I, I just think that – um it was mainly just kind of at that point, just a battle, a brawl every time. So uh, you talked a little bit about getting ready for the game against Northern Colorado. How has it been the week now after you guys come off with the, uh, with the response, getting the big win uh, you have another kind of new team to the league in central Valley Fuego coming. What do you guys know about central Valley and, and what are you guys looking to do as you get ready for the next game? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've just been focusing on this upcoming game. Um, I know a lot of the guys in the team on my team are from Cali. So they know a lot of those guys out there. Um, they're located in Fresno, California, I think. And, uh, I mean, our coach Obleda said it earlier this week. I mean, he said they're, they're kind of like our twin brother. I guess we, we play a lot, uh, similar to each other and they have a lot of, you know, technicality in the midfield. I mean, they just are a lot like us. They have a lot of bite. So, um, yeah, we've just been kind of focusing on how we want to approach that and just make sure that we can get as many points as home as possible. Um, but, yeah, it's another respectable team, and we just hope that we can get three points. Watched their game last weekend against uh, Greenville, and uh, I make jokes about referees getting bonuses for yellow cards, and I think the yellow card bonus is probably going to be in effect in this one. Uh, <laughs> some high-tempo, tough challenges. Uh, when you're out there kind of mixing it up, do, do you have that sort of thing in your mind? Like you want to go in physical and send a message or is yeah. it just kind of how the game develops? Yeah. I mean, 
early on, I mean, you, you definitely want to set the tone depending on the opponent, especially if there's a little bit more of like a, a rivalry or whatever it is, but you definitely don't want to go into the game and then, you know, kind of just let them be the first to, to strike. Um, but no, you, you start from the beginning with bite and then the game kind of just, you know, takes its own form. But yeah, we try to, from the beginning, let teams know that we're here to play and, you know, come with that intensity every time. So, yeah. So Carrera Garcia got nominated for a goal of the week with his free kick. Um, you had your header, David Teixeira had two awesome goals. Were you guys kind of, uh, you know, politicking with each other over who maybe got nominated? <laughs> no, I mean, I haven't really. I, I'm, they've scored more goals than I have. I mean, I'm, I'm just happy to, to really just help the team out. Um, I mean, do I think my header was pretty nice? I mean, I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> but no, I'm just I'm just happy. I mean, we had four guys on uh, Team of the Week. I think we have guys every week make Team of the Week, so that's good. I think this is the most that we had was four. Uh, I'm happy that Carrera could get on the, the score sheet finally. And, yeah, I mean, our team has a lot of different goal scorers. It's not just the same guys every time. So that, that was great. And scoring four goals is even better. So, yeah. So most people look at goals and assists – uh, when you're playing in the games, is there a stat, especially someone that's playing, you know, primarily on the back line, is there a stat that you try to look at to say, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing this in the game? I mean, I tried to, when I was playing right back, I would, you know, the most important thing, I guess, is I'm a defender first. So clean sheet, like we don't want to concede goals, but obviously I also, I, I like to, you know, have exciting soccer. So I'd like to get in the attack and try to get assists and goals if I can. And but yeah, I'd say most importantly is the clean sheet. Then after that, if I can help contribute to the attack in any way, then I'd say assisting goals come after that. We're gonna have to cut a little. I'm gonna ha I'm gonna make Adam do some editing because I'm pulling a blank at the moment. But um, so as you guys get ready uh, for the game against Central Valley, who are some of the players that you think are gonna make a big impact with the Red Wolves as you go into that game? Um, I've heard of a few players. I hope I don't butcher their names, but they have a striker. <laughs> uh, I think his last name's Cheney, who uh, uh, he's he's posed a threat. Um, I think they have a winger named VJ. Just a lot of experienced guys. Uh, they have a holding mid. Uh, I think his name's uh, Ozzy Ramos or something like that. So I'd say um, those three guys are the names that have been brought up to me. The holding mid, that winger, that that striker, they all, they're all they all starters. They've all played at high levels and they're experienced, um, great attackers. So I think that th those are the, the people that we've been told to look out for. And, uh, yeah, we just kind of train accordingly and make sure that we can do everything in our power to see that those guys don't get on the ball. And, yeah, it's pretty much that. All right. Well, um, we don't have any further questions, but we really want to thank you for your time. Uh, you know, good luck this coming week. We're, of course, we'll be out there in full force cheering for you and, uh, and hope that you guys have a lot more success. Get on the score sheet two weeks in a row. Yeah, hopefully. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, DJ, and uh, we hope you have a wonderful evening. Welcome back. So here we are back. Uh, great interview. Thanks, Alex. So, my question is, we're heading into the weekend. Tomorrow is a big game versus Fuego, one of the new teams. If you're not aware, Central Valley Fuego um, is one of the, the new teams in California. So joining some of the uh, – making it go either further west, joining Tucson way out there. Um, they're, they're an interesting team in that they um, 
are kind of in an area where there was a championship team prior. And so now they've got this team that has kind of taken their place as a league one team, not affiliated with the old ownership that was the championship team. Um, but they've already got a pretty good um, base of fans. If you look at some of the highlights from their last home game, they had a pretty good crowd. So I think they're going to be a, a fun group to watch. Have either of you gotten a much of a chance to watch them on the field? So I watched last weekend's game. And uh, if you think the volume of the crowd in our game was bad, they were like literally on mute in the uh, broadcast of the Central Valley Fuego game. So they played Greenville. It was at Central Valley. So they're playing uh, at Fresno State University. They're playing on their girls soccer stadium. It's a cool looking stadium somewhere. I think that it would be fun to visit if you didn't have to also be in Fresno. Um, (laughs) And... (laughs) They're they're a very interesting team. Um, DJ talked about them being kind of a carbon copy of us, and I think it's true. They're a team that presses high, plays fast. They have a lot of pace, um, but I think they're also a team that hasn't – they're not quite executing uh, because it's a new team, a new club, new players together. Uh, so I don't think that they execute it quite as well as you see the Red Wolves execute it. Uh, it can be a little chaotic at times, almost too chaotic, Uh, And that's pretty much how um, they got their first goal when Greenville gave a letdown right before halftime. Greenville answered within the first five minutes of the second half starting, and really Greenville dictated the rest of that game. Uh, And you could almost see, I don't know if it was because it was their first home game and they were very hyped up, but that second half, they, they looked very tired as if they had run themselves out in the first half. Well, I know that uh, one of their uh, top scorers uh, used to play with L.A. Force and with Charlotte Independence, and that's Christian Shaney, who did play in Fresno before with Fresno City Rams. And then he went to Yerevan over in um, um, uh, Armenia, which is which I mentioned that because Fresno is famous for its Ar- Armenian community. And uh, so As we he's all got, know. Yeah, as, as we all know, uh, I think it's because of Jerry Tarkanian, uh, who uh, had grew up there, I think, and then he went to uh, uh, the Running Rebels and uh, uh, UNLV. But, uh, yeah, he's been right now one of their – I think they're tied the top two scores. Yeah, him and a Bulgarian, Viljan Bijev, uh, so far, uh, they, they're the top scorers. They started off pretty hot. Uh, they've had a record – They've only had one home game, which they've not won. Uh, but Would on the you road, say they were in Fuego. In Fuego, oh, I... they're in Fuego on the road. It looks like, yeah, they're uh, one. Uh, sorry, there are two wins, one loss, and two draws at away. No, sorry, two wins, one loss, and one and and, and one draw away. But they've only had one home match, which it looks like that was a draw. So they've haven't had a lot of chance to play at Fresno State. But uh, but they started off. I think I'm going to go to the schedule here. I think they not only do they have uh, they had some pretty uh, commanding wins. So early they beat on. they beat Greenville two nothing. Yes, that got um, my attention. They, they beat they beat El Paso Locomotion in the U.S. Open Cup four one. But El Paso did get a red card um, mm-hmm. in that game. It, it was in the 58th minute, so it was one of those where they already had a three nothing lead when that red card happens. So that's a pretty commanding win over a championship team mm-hmm. as Not everyone. One of the best 
championship clubs, no. I will say. No, no right. they're not. But And as everybody does, they had a high-scoring game with Charlotte Independence. Charlotte is really good at scoring, not so good at defense, so 3-3 was that game. <laughs> um, they lost 3 nothing to Union Omaha, who is a very interesting team this year because they are either really good or really bad. It seems to not – they seem to go both directions. As everyone does, they – they beat forward Madison and then they tied Greenville. So yep. they've already played Greenville twice, which twice. is what's, which is weird about our schedule. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's been very, like you said, it's been very up and down. Uh, it, I think it's a fair statement. One thing I want to say about this team, have you guys seen who their coach is? Um, and what his, what his is, history is. I can't think of the name. He is Martin Vasquez. An impressive player, one who I know they were saying he has played for both the Mexican and U S national teams. Uh, yes. and uh, has a pretty impressive oh, coaching oh. record as well. Yeah, Bayern Munich assistant, uh, Chivas uh, USA, Real Monarchs. He was an uh, assistant at Dynamo. He uh, was an assistant under Klinsman uh, for the U.S. team and under Klinsman for Bayern Munich. Wow. So he's got quite a pedigree when it comes to coaching. He didn't have the best record at, at uh, Chivas. Uh, eight wins, four draws, 18 losses. So not not the strongest there. I don't know about what he did at Real. I can't find those stats, but that's still a pretty um, pretty impressive uh, pretty impressive uh, re, you know CV for a League One coach. Um, typically, a League One coach doesn't have MLS U.S. national team assistant coaching, uh, Bayern Munich assistant coaching on his resume. Uh, if you yeah. look at a lot of our coaches, a lot of times those coaches, it's their first job. Even ones that have U.S. You know, even the Greenville coach with his U.S. national heritage uh, um, doesn't have coaching experience of that level, right? Yeah. Um, you, you think of Jay Mims, who didn't really have that much coaching experience, but has been successful. Uh, those type of coaches that are out there, you know, obviously our coach um, who didn't have a lot of or any um, real experience at this level of pro, um, but had a, a strong history in the youth league. That's typically what you're seeing at League One. So to see someone with a former MLS history, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So the uh, one thing that I would say is uh, he is relative. He is newly appointed as the coach. Um, yeah. There April was, 14th. There was a random announcement that he was being named as their coach April. Yeah. April 14th, three games into their season. Uh, not necessarily the coach that they had when they started the season. There was no news about that. It was it was one of those funny things with League One where they announced that Central Valley Fuego has hired a new coach, and everyone says Central Valley Fuego needed a new coach. Yeah, And so I don't know that these are necessarily his players, how much of a hand he had in selecting the guys that are there. So with that impressive resume – who are the players that he's he's having right now? Well, I, I do want to comment one last thing on the coach, and it was under the interim Blanco where they got uh, all of those uh, impressive play was in the first couple of matches. I, I think with, when, when they came in and stormed into Greenville and beat them uh, at Greenville 2-0, it, uh, we read this as you know, Fuegos and Fuego, which they were doing good, but Greenville's not has been struggling this year, which is one of the reasons I did get a chance to uh, be in last week was I was so upset with not just our play against Greenville, but that was the worst I'd ever seen Greenville play and they still beat us. So uh, it's, that's, so it's interesting. We, we talk about the pedigree of the coach, but in their form kind of has slipped a little bit. Uh, and it may just been the element of 
surprise, but it's. It, I think they're still a mixed bag. Well, they, they've got to win. Um, granted, it's over Ford Madison, so how much do you count? Yeah, it? yeah, they, yeah. They've yeah. got to win in there. They they did get you know, the, you know, beat down pretty hard by Union Omaha. I think if you look at Greenville, that yeah, they did. They didn't play great against us. Um, they play tight games. Mm-hmm. Is is what typically happens. Yes, they lost to Fuego in the first game of the season, um, but they had a one-one game with with North Carolina, one um, nothing versus us, one-one again with Fuego. Lost to Charlotte of MLS, two-one in the Open Cup. Um, you know they're not they're not terrible, right? So it's not. Like, I don't want to discount Greenville by any stretch when it right. comes to it. But I will say, yeah, I, I think there is something to be said that he's only been coaching the team you know, when he gets here on Saturday for almost exactly a month. Right. Yeah. So this is probably not, even if it is players he would have got, they're not necessarily running his system. So, so or, I, I wonder if he, with his resume came in and has the same kind of towering self-regard that Eamon's eye displayed <laughs> all last Saturday. And that could explain the drop in form where everyone is just like, well, I, yeah, this coach, Every time he tries to talk to me, he's just kind of staring off into middle distance with soft lighting in the background and uh, in a, so, a, a designer sweater. So we kind of make party. fun of Eamon Zide for his weird standing and, and not associating with any of the fan. Like, dude, you were here for for two, two and years. two years. Yeah. And you were supposed to be like one of the big names and big like you and Beatty were supposed to be these guys that like were supposed to be like the names of the franchise. And then you come in and you don't even associate. Like you just stand in the middle field. Like it was so weird to see pictures of him just in the middle field. And to our fans' credit, there's people that have taken pictures of like themselves and their significant other and placed him perfectly between the two in the distance, like yeah. things like that, because he wasn't moving. So they were able to set up a picture because for for those type of reasons, which is hilarious. Um, even more funny though is in the game versus that they just had versus Union Omaha, it was 87 degrees at kickoff, and he was still wearing one of those sweaters. Okay. In his defense, it is a very nice sweater, and it, it looks like a sweater that was used in a commercial for Irish Spring. Now, was, was it mustard, or was it goldenrod? No, it was a goldenrod. I'm pretty sure it was okay. goldenrod. Yeah. So while we are, you know, it, we're not always the biggest proponents of things that are said by Union Omaha you you know Omaha fans, right? Um, but there was a retweet that was done by a Union Omaha fan about him wearing just that. Uh, what would you call it? The um, wearing the sweater and his statement, which just made me giggle, was when you have a game at seven, but you need to get on the cod boat at four a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Well, well done, sir. You you win the tweet win. of the day. You win the tweet of the day." It, it it just wanted to give that I'm in Ireland kind of you know uh, feel to it. I guess it was he was uh, stoic. He was stoic or statuesque. I, I'm not sure which. So. Uh, good stuff. Well, again, I don't know how much stock we want to put in League One broadcasters. Uh, The one that we had, I I believe, I remember, I think the game that we played in Omaha, he was doing it. He he finds a way to to kind of twist everything that's told to him or the way that people talk into extremely negative. So I remember because of the game in Omaha, 
he spent a lot of time talking about how the baseball field and what a bad look it was, because I think that was part of, you know, like, like Oblata may have said in passing, like, Oh yeah, we got to go play in this baseball stadium. That's too short. Mm -hmm. Um, And he took a lot of things that apparently Eamon said talking about his last season in Chattanooga and how Mm. much he didn't enjoy it. And it's like, well, yeah, he was battling back from injury. He was coming to the end of his career. Like, I can understand he probably didn't enjoy it, but the guy almost made it seem like there was some kind of strange tension. And it's like, you know, why, why are you, why are you trying to stir the pot like that? Just tell me who's kicking the ball to who. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that seemed like that was one of his intent was to constantly act like there was this massive tension. And let's just be honest. Eamon's kind of a entitled prick. Um, He came to the Greenville, uh, Chattanooga playoff game and a bunch of the Chattanooga fans like yelled for him because we were getting together to take a picture yeah. and he ignored us like yeah. he's just a dick and it's okay you can be that if you want to be but let's not pretend that the reason that he's a jerk is because of something that was bad in Chattanooga it's because that's who he is which is fine that that's who you want to be but <laughs> it's not because of anything that was done because of your last season when you're already even your first season, you were it was obvious you were too old to continue to be playing. Your second season, when you come back to get that paycheck, you also aren't playing because you weren't good enough to actually start, and you pouted a lot. I'm sorry that like you don't even play the style that coach wants to play. You're you're slow and old. It's fine. That's why but, he won't let me play either. Yeah, like you were like like it's not like other people were knocking on his door the next season for him to come play, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Your your last season was here where you didn't play much and then no one else wanted you. So don't be bitter about it. And I don't think he really is bitter about it. He probably was just like, yeah, I didn't like that. You know, I didn't get much playing time and then it got spun, but he's also kind of, kind of a jerk. So if he's complaining about it, then more than likely they're spinning his jerk statements because that's just who he is. And so... I can say this because he's not going to listen to us. <laughs> Well, unlike okay. John Harks, who listens yeah. all the time, he, he, all, all the time. time. Yeah. And I think this uh, this new coach uh, for Fuego is going to be listening to every of word that we have to say because he knows that we know tactics. We know, That's yes, obvious. obviously you you could tell we, how much time we I've get spent deep. On the pitch. We get deep into XG and other things like that. It's I'm usually much the more, only one that cares. It's mostly it's it's mostly <laughs> brisket alert. options. It's food food truck options is what we offer. So. Uh, they they can score. I think they uh, they started off pretty hot. I still think they are a threat, um, but um, I the way that we're coming off of the last game, you know, I'm feeling um, I don't feel overly threatened. But this is not going to be a pushover game, guys. Uh, they can create chances. Uh, there's a guy Victor Falk. Uh, uh, I think he's leading their, uh, their their team in chances created, and he's only played three of the matches. Uh, so he's a guy we got to watch out for. Uh, Cheney likes to take a lot of shots, but he only you know only makes a few. Uh, so you want to watch out for him. Uh, but uh, Falk again, uh, you, someone you want to watch for assist. Uh, but the great thing about this team, and we're gonna love this a lot, is uh, uh, Alex. What is the name? Of their keeper, their goalkeeper is an Israeli national named uh-huh. Ofek Antman. Antman, 
So, all right, we, we've got to do something Ant-Man with that. I don't know what we're going to do, uh, but it's got to be something. What do we have for Ant-Man here? Uh, I'm pretty sure between now and then we will have it figured out. One one other player, uh, our friend the Hulk, of course, is is going to be quite ready uh, and yeah. excited knowing that Ant-Man is coming to play Ant-Man in Gold yes. Valley Fuego. Uh, <laughs> one other player that I would love to uh, mention about Central Valley that we should keep an eye on is mm. uh, Diego Casillas. He was mm. a newer player uh, that's been signed to the team, but he was one a lot of pace – uh, got up and down the sideline, so he's someone again that's going to be a handful putting crosses in. Uh, scored the goal for them against Greenville, got into the box and, and put a header away. It was a really good run, uh, and so that's another player that I think we need to be paying attention to. Someone you'll want to watch uh, from the Central Valley Fuego side. But I'm with you, Jeff. I think talked to Coach Obleda a little post match on Saturday. And he was talking about, you know, these last two games, uh, you know, you don't want to lose. Uh, but it was almost good for the team to kind of get that punch in the mouth um, and to see there are no easy games in League One. Yeah. Um, and that kind of woke him up. Uh, and so to battle back from going the goal down against Northern Colorado uh, gives them a huge boost. And so I think getting to be home again, it's going to be awesome weather. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, against a team that kind of plays a lot like them. So it's going to be fast-paced. It's going to be tough. Um, I think the uh, the League One uh, yellow card bonus is going to be in effect for whoever gets to center referee. And, uh, and I think we're going to see some goals. And, uh, and our team, I think uh, the Red Wolves, are going to be ready to play. And they're going to come with a lot of energy. Uh, and I see them winning the game. All right. So going to this, I still think uh, I'm really excited for our front line. But I don't know. It's a little bit diminished with Mo being iffy. Uh, have we got our back line sorted yet, guys? I am hoping to see Devin Benton stay in the center, mm-hmm. a player with a lot of speed. Now, I i mean, what do I know? But I saw Devin DJ Benton when he got signed with the Red Wolves as being more of a rotational, a spot start here and there. Um, but the way that he's played the the first six games of the season, um, I think he's really earned a spot to be part of that starting 11, whether he's going to slide out to the right as the main center backs come back healthy uh, or as he's going to come into the middle. I think having him in the middle with his speed was a huge help in this last match, and I would love to see him paired with Capazucci. Uh, yeah. Let Jorge Luna have a night off. He's played the first six, you know, seven games if you count the Open Cup. Uh, full 90s the whole well he actually came out at halftime of this last game uh, when he had the yellow card but I'd love to see that and I think some things are starting to come into place defensively I think part of it was a mental thing Uh, like coach Obleda talked about these guys needing to realize you can't take your foot off the gas because teams in league one will punish you Uh, so I think they're going to be ready and be focused to defend what I would like to see on that back line is Cardona and DJ Benton start and have mm-hmm. Capazucci as right back, uh, like he played with us last year. I think he does better as right back rather than in central. But uh, do you see? I think DJ's DJ's speed is needed on that on that outside. Like that's my only thing. Like I thought, I like DJ on the outside. I like I like Aaron Lombardi on the outside. I mm-hmm. I just don't know that I want to that I want to move Capazucci to the outside um, to the outside. I think DJ if in. you have Cardona able to start, 
he can be the speed element. Capazucci does a wonderful job in the air. He's a good physical defender. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think you can have kind of that, you know, thunder and lightning as it were, which is pretty much what they were expecting with Cardona and Danny Navarro. It's what Ramos and Navarro were, you know, Ramos had a little bit more of that speed. Navarro was a little more uh, of a, a, you know, straight up defender uh, playing, playing the angles, clearing balls away, things like that. All right, so let's get into – well, before we get into this, I wanted to give you guys a couple stats that I was looking at related to something I think we're going to see. So we've played six games, which is more than anyone else. Central Valley has played five. We've got 22 yellow cards in those six games. Central Valley has 20 in their five games. We are number one and number two on yellow cards. Yellow <laughs> cards. Um, Central Valley also has um, a red card to their name. Within those players – Central Valley has two players that are in the top two, one with four yellow cards, one with three. Um, we don't have any of that. We, we spread our yellow cards out a little bit better. Um, but I do expect this to be a rough game, kind of going with that whole theory theory of they're very similar to us. And I don't mean that as rough in that they are dirty. I mean, as we play a rougher style, we play a physical style, they play a physical style, and League One refs don't know how to handle a physical style of soccer. They just don't. So they see physical, they see foul, they see yellow card. I expect this to be a colorful night of yellow and red. Um, I would be shocked if we don't see at least one red card on side, if not two. That said, what is your guys' prediction for the actual score of the game? I'm going to go for a 2-1. I'd like to see a two nil and get a clean sheet, but um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm expecting uh, Fuego to, to pull one in. Hopefully it's not going to be like our, our, our goal against us at the last game, uh, which was preventable. I do think Avila's at the last game played his, his best game, but I, I got to say we're going to get at least two and hopefully I'm under picking that, but I, 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 yeah, I'm going for two, one, uh, three, one, good guys. So I'm I'm going to go that this will be another high-scoring game. I'm going to go 3-2, good guys. Mm. Um, and I am looking for a late Galindrez goal to win it. Um, I also want to note that I doubt this will be nearly as uh, much of a them screaming at our fans because I don't think they'll come in with any reason for a chip on their shoulder. So it could be a fun 3-2 versus a, golly, I'm so glad they're leaving 3-2. So... <laughs> All right, so I early enjoyed that four to one victory. Yeah, it yeah. ended well. I loved how the game ended. Actually, it was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, All right, so good. the other thing that's 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 going on, it's actually going on tonight right now, and I was hoping to be able to find what's happening with it. But their U.S. Open Cup has been continuing. Um, there were four USL League One teams that um, moved to the last round. Of those four, two of them played each other in Northern Colorado and Union Omaha, with Union Omaha winning that. Richmond and Tormenta both got beaten by MLS teams, as you would expect a League One team to get beaten by MLS teams pretty handily. Tormenta was actually in it in, in the second half um, and then ultimately lost it. Richmond basically just got boat showed. Um, it's It was slightly depressing for them um that said union omaha moves on to the round of 16 and the draw for that round is going on right now um as we speak we're recording around 8 30 on a thursday night um my question to you is as a league one fan as a league one fan of a league one team are, do you root as a fan of the league or are you like me 
and want them to get beaten nine nothing. Wow, you know, I would have picked Union Omaha to want to go down normally, but I gotta say, in one game, I think Northern Colorado has replaced their place as uh, that special place in our heart. And I actually was rooting for Union Omaha to beat. Uh, and I, I was disappointed that they had to go to penalties to beat uh, the, the Hailstorm. Um, you know, it's. It, I guess it depends on who they play, but part of me has that mindset that I want the League One to do well, and it's a reflection of the entire league. And last year, I would have said, yeah, bring Union Omaha down, but I hate them a little bit less than last year. That could change, though. Uh, I have lots of room in my heart for hate. Um <laughs> I, I mean, I if they're playing Detroit City, maybe I root for them. Yeah, Detroit City's gone. They lost. It, well, I mean, if there's any kind of hypothetical matchup of them playing Detroit City, really I root for a 0-0 draw where... All of them get injured? All of them get injured, and it's really <laughs> boring, and it's just a bunch of hitting long balls and complaining to the referee so that everyone is bored. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, no, I don't care. Round of 16, congrats. Someone from League One made it to the round of 16. That's good enough. Yeah. I mean, we were guaranteed it because they were playing each other. Um, But yeah, uh, I think all this proves, it proves does, like for anyone who thinks this proves that you know Hall is the strongest team in League One, no, it just proves that they got the best draw. Um, Because I think if Tormenta played Northern Colorado, they win that game. I think if Richmond plays Northern Colorado, they win that game. So congratulations, you know Hall. You got to play another League One team. Um, that's really not that good. Um, so that's all I got on that. Anything else you guys want to cover? I just want to mention in passing, I, I can't wait to see us play uh, Tormenta this year because something, something happened to that team, you know? Uh, so uh, they're, they're going to be a lot more formidable. And so last oh, I disagree year, completely. I disagree completely with you on that. Hmm, I, I think they're a lot more solid than they have been last year. Here, here's why I dis- here's here's why I disagree. A lot of people are saying that because of the fact that they haven't given up um, any any goals of late because they played Tucson, who when we played them, let's 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 be honest, we didn't ex- Tucson should have never scored on us. They were not good, and Tucson got a red card in the 62nd minute of that game when Tormentor was already up one nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, they they played Greenville, who as you've already mentioned was the worst Greenville team we've seen. Yeah. Um, they. They played Union Omaha to a zero zero. Union Omaha hasn't. I watched the first half of that game and could barely stay awake. Yeah, they're playing a very boring style. (laughs) It will not hold up long term in League One. I do not expect if Tormenta continues to not be able to score because this is the fact they're not scoring right zero zero versus Charlotte. Two nothing when you're up one nothing with the with a red card against the other team with thirty minutes to play you better win two nothing, two nothing versus Greenville zero zero versus Union Omaha, like I'm sorry like they're not they're not boat racing anybody I would be shocked if they go versus I bet North Carolina beats them on on Saturday I think Central Valley Fuego beats them the following Saturday they might beat Tucson then I think Richmond beats them I I think they're gonna lose three of the next four and we can stop acting like they're good and yet. With only playing five games, they're at eight points compared to our ten points at six games. So, well, my point is, I think that uh, they have improved over in the off season because last year they were absolutely dreadful. 
Uh, not saying that they're the best team in the league, but I think they are the team that's. Uh, I could see some of the biggest improvements from last year. I'll be shocked if they make the top six from watching them. Like I, I would really be shocked. Like I expect us to. I expect after watching Charlotte, I think Charlotte will. I think Richmond will. Um, I, I think ultimately you're going to see Greenville turn it around. I think you're going to see Union turn it around. And it's it's. I just don't see them making even the top six. But maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. My heart we should, breaks we should, when you talk about it. that because we are. Oh, I'm in on that. I'll share brisket with whoever the winner is. Uh, my heart breaks thinking about our 10 points in six games and how we could easily have 15 yeah. points. Yeah. Out Agreed. of those six games if we really played up to our potential. And I think having those setbacks, like Coach Oblata talked about with me after the game, having those setbacks is going to really focus this team's energy. Uh, and so I think uh, the month of May and the month of June are going to be really exciting. Agreed. All right. Well, we've we've had um, people listening to us for over an hour now, um, including your interview. So, anything else we want to cover before we microfast Biggles Wade report? Biggles Wade United is back in the Spartan South Midland League. Everybody, congrats! This is Sparta. Uh, a good they they had moved to a, a United Counties League, which you know. So basically, sort of like how Dalton Red Wolves are in a Southeastern regional conference as that uh, amateur team that they have. Biggles Wade was in one that basically forced them to say they had to play teams in like Southern Indiana and Kentucky, as opposed to getting play teams around Georgia and South Carolina and North Carolina. And now they're back in that Spartan South Midland league that has a lot of natural rivals, uh, a lot of really close travel so that fans can make the trip. It's easier on these players who play part-time. They have real jobs before they go play with Biggles Wade United. So congrats, Biggles Wade United. Welcome back to Spartan South Midland League. And that is your Biggles Wade report. Wow. And on that note, bye. Bye. Oof, that was bad. That was good, but yet beautiful. This is delicious.